Hey guys, welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast. Here we tackle the challenges of indie game development head-on from the technical to the emotional and talk about the secrets to conquering self-doubt on your journey to crafting games that people will love. Subscribe so you never miss another episode. And if you haven't already done so, give us a rating and review so that this podcast gets shared with more people. We'd really, really appreciate it. Ready? Let's go. So today I want to talk to you guys about the hardest art form in the world, which is making and designing video games. Video games are some of the most intentionally crafted pieces of interactive media in the world. And I know it's not a competition between all the different art forms in terms of which one is harder, except I'm lying because it is, and video games win. They are definitely the hardest. When you are playing a video game, it is so easy to take what you're seeing on screen for granted. But with literally everything you see on screen, even just a still image of one frame of gameplay, there were probably dozens of decisions that were made just for that one thing that you're looking at. I'm looking at a still frame from the game Hades, and there is a lot going on here. And in the frame that I'm looking at, I had just attacked the enemy, but the damage effect spans far away from the player, right? That's a design choice to make you feel powerful. The character has really good reach with their sword, but if they made the damage effect large enough to cover the whole range, it would take up too much screen space, so they kept it smaller, right? So if you're playing that game, you'll notice that if you swing your sword, you can still damage enemies outside of the actual slash effect. That's what we're talking about here. There's also some stylized lighting around the tip of the sword that gets cast onto the environment, and this helps to convey power. There's even these little fire trails that are left behind by the player's feet, and you are the son of Hades, and this little detail helps to remind the player that you are not human, you are something much more powerful. What about level design? In the main hub area, there's a doorway at the bottom with light and purple fire all around it, and it makes your eyes, they're just instantly drawn towards it, and that is an exit, that is your way forward. And you will instinctively know to go there because your eyes are drawn there because of their art choices. What about UI? And in Hades, my eyes are trained in this game to look at the bottom left on the screen. Everything that is crucial for surviving in the game is down in that area. Health, number of ranged attacks you can use, and the number of revives that you currently have available. When I'm in the middle of combat in this game, with one very quick glance down there, I know exactly how I'm doing and I can make very quick plans on what my next move should be. All your current upgrades are displayed on the left of the screen, all your quests or tasks are at the top, and they're all nicely placed around the screen edges, displaying all the info you need without blocking your view in any noticeable way. Nothing is random. Nothing is without purpose. And everything we've been talking about, all this information is from just one little still frame of this game. But this game, and most games these days, run at 60 frames per second. And you'll be playing it for hours because it's really hard to stop. So this kind of begs the question, how in the hell do you plan and design a video game by yourself or with a small team when there are so many decisions that need to be made and every decision you make affects another aspect of the game? I don't know how the creators of Hades planned the design of their game, but I can tell you how my wife and I planned and are still planning the design of our game Samurado. So our planning has not been 
meticulous or harmonic or anything like that. It's really been like 15% planning and 200 quadrillion percent flying by the seat of our pants. And I don't necessarily think that this in itself is a bad thing. Nikki and I put our heads together for like maybe an hour or two on the very first day with our whiteboard, and we thought up some very, very high-level ideas of what we wanted the game to be. We very quickly landed on a fun hack-and-slash roguelike where you play as an avocado seeking revenge for your family after they were massacred by an evil chef. In the past, I've mentioned that I don't have a lot of love for the roguelike genre, but I have found some passion for it in more recent months. I've logged many hours in Enter the Gungeon. I really, really suck at it, like so hard. Like I don't even think I've gotten past the third floor, but I have played a lot of that game. And so after playing that game, I decided I wanted to buy myself Hades. And the ideas just exploded into existence as soon as I played that game. When I played Hades, I literally fell in love. This is now one of my favorite games, and through sheer coincidence, Nikki bought me a copy of Cult of the Lamb, and it's also like a cross of cult simulator slash roguelike. Really super interesting game, and so with all of this stuff coming together, I have really started to like roguelikes now, which is great because that is what Samurado is. And like I said, we decided that it was going to be in that genre very, very early on. And next, we talked about who our core audience was. And we planned our core game loop around what that audience would enjoy, trying to prioritize fun, but also keeping marketability in mind as well. And that part, I do feel is important to get down on paper before you start a game the core game loop, right? You need that down on paper. What are your players actually gonna be doing when they play your game? And what makes them want to keep coming back for more? My opinion on this is that if you get this right, all the little elements, the hundreds and thousands of micro decisions that need to be made after the fact, they're gonna fall into place really nicely if you know the structure of your game on day one. And I'll give you a little example. Our game Simurado is built for speed. Without giving too much away, you are highly incentivized to speed your way through this game. You are rewarded for doing so. And because you want that reward, there's going to be pressure to do things within a certain time frame. And it's not something stupid like a timer, by the way. It's something that I think is a lot cooler, hopefully. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for you all to play it. And by the way, you can go ahead and wishlist Samurado on Steam if you're interested in being notified when it releases in a couple of months. My daughter was playing it recently and she said, Daddy, I think the enemies need health bars. And she's nine, by the way. And I was like, holy shit, she's right. And I tried to piece this together with my core game loop. If time is something you're constantly racing against and enemies have to be killed, and in this game you're actually locked in each room until you clear them out, so you do have to kill them, how are you supposed to know how well you're doing in terms of time if you don't have a good indication of how much health enemies have? That is a piece of information that players need because it'll create more pressure which will hopefully result in more fun but also make things feel more fair because there's less guesswork on their part. A game like Hollow Knight on the other hand, the enemies don't need health bars. There's no rush. You aren't even forced to fight most enemies in that game. So for my game, the core design of the game makes players want to play fast and so suddenly 
making tiny decisions like should my enemies have health bars, it becomes much more obvious and much more clear. Yes, they absolutely should. As for the rest, we decided to borrow elements from both Hades and Enter the Gungeon because a core part of those games is there are temporary upgrades and permanent upgrades. The temporary upgrades are what determine the quote-unquote luck of your run. Sometimes you get awesome stuff, sometimes you get crappy stuff. The permanent upgrades are obviously permanent, and so they should help you just get a little bit further on your next run and a little bit further on the run after that each time that you acquire a new permanent upgrade. Like in Hades, for example, I get healed for just a couple of health points every time I enter a new room. When I first acquired that permanent upgrade, that helped me a lot, especially when I was a new player. So while working on implementing upgrades for the game, I realized that I really haven't planned specifically what the upgrades should be. There need to be temporary ones and there need to be permanent ones. And so I was kicking myself for not planning ahead on that a little bit more but honestly now in retrospect i think we did just the right amount of planning around this system because i knew for instance from the beginning that just about every stat in the game might be subject to change via an upgrade player speed player damage attack speed attack radius max health can you deflect projectiles your knockback amount etc etc Despite not knowing exactly what my upgrades would be at the time, when I created my player character, I designed him with the idea of all of those being upgradable in mind, so it's very, very easy to tweak those stat values now. So that's been our style so far, just enough high-level planning while building the specifics of the game as flexible and as loosely coupled as possible to allow for changes to slip in easily later on if necessary. After working on the upgrade system, I am so glad that I built it this way because it made my job so much easier while I was implementing it. Now, little tiny disclaimer, I'm only telling you what's worked for us and what we're doing based on our own experience and research. I'd love to know what you guys are doing and what your thoughts are on game design. Feel free to join the Discord if you want to continue the conversation. The link is in the description. And that's all I got for you guys. If you love this episode and you haven't already left a rating and review, please consider doing that now because it really helps the podcast grow and reach more awesome people like yourself. Thanks so much.